Hello, welcome, bienvenue, willkommen. Hey, <laughs> how didn't this get made? The podcast where we look at films that were gonna get made but never got made. I'm Sol, and with me is Connor. Connor, that's Sol Harris and Connor Murray. Hello, everyone. Hi, hi. Uh, yeah, films that never got made. Uh, I, I mean. You know, in in fairy tales and legends and things, and and you often get presented with, you know, you can ask any one question, you can see any future or reality that you want to. It's it's like a trope that you're sometimes presented with. You can have one of life's great questions answered. I think if I was ever presented with that, so if I was presented with the ghost of Christmas present, and they said, come see an alternate reality, see what would happen if you were never born, I would go... Fuck that. Show me what would happen if George Romero made Land of the Dead 2. Funnily enough, that's our topic for this episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love George A. Romero's films. I don't know about you, Connor. Uh, I think he is one of the most important filmmakers of all time. I think he's had more influence on cinema than... Well, you know that I love zombie and horror films, and, and I also wrote a zombie film that I shamelessly converted into a vampire one to get it actually made. Yeah, I love his stuff. Is that is that on YouTube yet, your short? I think most of... Oh, yeah. Go and check out... What was it called? Family Values. Family Values. <laughs> Look it up on the YouTube. Yeah, it started off as a zombie, but then they were like, no, we're not going to make it if it's a zombie, so I wrote, rewrote it as a vampire, and they were like... Yes, let's make it. Uh, I, I, that, that was because they made a zombie film the previous year at our university, I believe, rather than any snobbishness about yeah. it. George A. Romero, uh, of course, the writer and director and, I I think, producer. Uh, certainly acted as a producer, even if not officially. Well, Wikipedia says he's a filmmaker, writer, and editor. I think he did produce Night of the Living Dead. I'm looking this up. I think it was him and two other men. He's not a credited producer. But I think he did produce it and just didn't get a credit. <laughs> that's that's what I think. Happened. Okay. Uh, he also forgot to copyright it, so I would not be surprised if he didn't. Well, it's that classic thing of a lot of people will do a kind of producer slash director or producer slash whatever role, but if they're getting credited elsewhere, they just let the other producer have all the credit if they're not directing it or whatever. Uh, anyway, George Romero. He's basically the man behind Night of the Living Dead, uh, one of the most important milestones in cinema history, and very notable for the thousands of sequels and remakes and imitators that it spawned. And, and with that has come a great deal of proposed film projects that got various... Uh, ways through production and then never happened. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. They make this seminal zombie movie, create the idea of the modern zombie, as in a contagious, flesh-eating ghoul. Uh, The film then lapses into public domain almost immediately because they forget to put a little C (laughs) in a circle in the end credits, uh, which was actually, I believe, because... I, I don't know if you know this, the film was originally going to be called something else. Ridiculous, like, you know, they came to eat your flesh or some nonsense. Okay. 
basically when they went to redo the title card and the credits, he forgot to put the C in then. That meant it wasn't copyrighted somehow. Although I think that's questionable. I, I'm pretty sure that you own the copyright regardless, but... Yeah, I mean... Certainly the film was perceived to have be <laughs> to have fallen into the public domain, and that means that, for all intents and purposes, it has been in the public domain for the last 50 years, something like that. Do you know if they made it hoping that there'd be a profit, or what, or did that matter to them, yeah? Oh god, yeah, they were definitely, they were definitely hoping they'd make money off it, and uh, 20 years later, 1990, they made a remake. George Romero wrote and helped get the funding together for Night of the Living Dead, a remake directed by Tom Savini, who of course was the makeup artist on these films. And that, George Romero said, was always his attempt to make a bit of money <laughs> off of the film, because he'd never <laughs> actually got any money from it. Uh, so, Night of the Living Dead, there was George A. Romero, who took the Of the Dead name in a sort of settlement with uh, his fellow um, John Russo. George A. Romero and John Russo wrote the film together uh, and it was originally under the name Monster Flick, which was the title that I believe got changed. They decided to go their separate ways creatively and, and make different follow-ups, because they both owned, by their view, half of the concept for Night of the Living Dead. So George Romero took Of the Dead, and John Russo took Of the Living Dead for his sequels arguably getting the better deal, because that is, you know, in line with Of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead. But Of the Dead without Of the Living Dead just sounds better. George Romero was the first one to follow up with a sequel. Absolute classic. With 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. Another, another seminal masterpiece. Uh, wonderful film. I mean, very much a cash grab on George Romero's part. I, he was struggling as a filmmaker, not really being noticed. Making some good stuff, but Dawn of the Dead was like, alright, let's do something to make some money. It's a pretty top quality cash grab. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, fuck me, it's fantastic. Uh, this brings me to the first of these sequels that never got made. Now, this is an official sequel that will never happen, I imagine. Uh, in 2010, it was reported that MTV, of all people, bizarrely, had acquired the license to Dawn of the Dead, and they were developing a TV series sequel. Uh, this was reported by bloodydisgusting.com, and conflicting reports uh, existed, some pegging it as a direct continuation of Dawn of the Dead, picking up from the end of the film. I don't know if you uh, remember the end of Dawn of the Dead, but spoiler alert, it essentially ends with a couple of the characters riding off in a helicopter to a sort of unknown future. Yeah. And so there there were reports that it was going to pick up with the original characters, presumably played by new actors, uh, given the 30-year the gap. But some reports suggested it would be more of a spin-off, some even suggested it was going to feature a mixture of slow and running zombies, which would be baffling. Some reports had it pegged as more of a remake, reimagining uh, re of Dawn of the Dead. But thankfully, there were no further developments beyond that initial reporting by Bloody Disgusting, who actually took the report off their website at some point. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that that's dead and will never happen. And that's fine with me. I do not need MTV's <laughs> take on Dawn of the Dead. I don't know about you. This was in a pre-The Walking Dead world, we should bear in mind. So yeah. 
uh, that's probably significant. No zombies really existed on TV back then, certainly not in American TV. Now, you will, of course, I'm sure, know about the sort of dodgy culture of knockoff Italian sequels to things, right? Oh, yeah. I love that. Right. So... I love a good, dirty Italian fake <laughs> copy of stuff. I genuinely enjoy it. So, when... Uh... When producing Dawn of the Dead, George Romero to find the money, he teamed up with horror legend Dario Argento to bring some money in. (laughs) And we got an Italian cut of the film that was simply called Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I, which is Italian for zombie. Oh, that's where that comes from. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've seen like a graphic or a poster of that somewhere. There you go. That'll be the... uh, Well, it could either be the Italian poster for Dawn of the Dead, uh, which was... Edited in a different way, there's an Italian cut produced by Dario Argento for the Italian market. He then felt, presumably, that he owned some stake in Dawn of the Dead after doing the Italian cut, and he produced the knockoff sequel Zombie 2, (laughs) which has no relation to Dawn of the Dead whatsoever, but Italian copyright laws basically mean you can produce any old shit and market it as a sequel to another film, regardless of rights or connection. So there's a long, long tradition of doing this, and there was Zombie 2, also known as Zombie Flesh Eaters, which was a script, actually, that Dario Argento bought, I believe, and then retooled to sort of turn into a very loose Dawn of the Dead sequel, Uh, He added a couple of bookend sequences explaining the zombie plague making its way from this tropical island that the film set on into sort of city civilization. Like, I knew I was born in the wrong country, man. Like, I would just love to go to Italy and just make shit sequels of as many things as I could. We could have made Star Wars 2, Connor. We could have made The Empire Strikes Back 2. Yep. Or we could have skipped 2 and made The Empire Strikes Back 3. We could have made our own canonical sequel trilogy. Anyway, then they made Zombie 3, which was a vaguely official sequel to Zombie 2, insofar as Lucio Fulci, the director, returned. Uh, That is where the connections end, however, because it's otherwise completely standalone. The continuity uh, clashes with the previous film, so it doesn't even work as a... (laughs) Films set in the same world. And then there were two other films, Zombie 4 and Zombie 5, which basically had nothing to do with them, but were renamed and remarketed to to uh, sell them as sequels. So Zombie 4, After Death, was originally just called After Death. Uh, a person called Rosella Drudi uh, was an uncredited story writer on Zombie 3. She then turned around with a script for After Death, Zombie 4. But other than that, it's completely, completely unofficial and unrelated. And then Killing Birds, Zombie 5 is just the distributors going, oh, we've got this other zombie movie. Well, fuck, call it Zombie 5. Let's let's, uh, put it out with the rest of them. Let's sell some videos. So that's where the knockoff Italian zombie sequel line runs to. But uh, let's go back to Dawn of the Dead. George Romero produced an official sequel. 1985's Day of the Dead, a film that has rightly been reevaluated in recent years as not bad. I I love Day of the Dead. I think it's wonderful. I remember you singing singing its praises a lot during university. Mm. You were, you always championed it. Yeah, I believe it was George Romero's favorite of the trilogy himself. It was originally meant to be a much larger film in scope to conclude the trilogy, but he wasn't able to find adequate funding because he was adamant that it be gory as fuck. 
and it was going to end up getting an NC-17 rating, which, if you're familiar with the American rating system, means that few cinemas would have been willing to show it, and therefore it would have been unlikely to make very much money. But he didn't want to tone it down to get an R rating and therefore be cinema-friendly. Good man. So uh, he ended up making a kind of compromise and taking a much smaller budget, but being allowed directorial control. As such, we got a really claustrophobic small film set predominantly in a bunker (laughs) with a load (laughs) of actors going mad at each other. And I love it. I think it's great. That original script for Day of the Dead is another one of these films, what could have been situations, well worth digging up and reading. It's widely available on the internet. It's, uh, It's set on a tropical island and it features all sorts of crazy shit, like people trying to train up armies of zombies that know not to eat you if you're wearing a certain colour jacket. This shitty company called Taurus acquired the rights to Day of the Dead, uh, as well as Creepshow, if you've ever seen it. They then set about shitting all over Romero's legacy. Uh, The first project to come out of that was 2005's Day of the Dead 2 Contagium, which is officially a sequel by all legal definition, uh, but has fuck all to do with anything. Doesn't tie into the films at all, and it is the worst film I have ever seen, and I say that with no hyperbole. I've watched a lot of films. Day of the Dead 2 Contagium is the worst film I've ever seen. There are some films that are bad, but that you can enjoy them. Oh, it's not one of them. <laughs> the worst thing is, if you ever look up the... If you try and find footage of the film online, you'll probably come across the trailer. And the trailer is cool as fuck. It's atmospheric, it's creepy. The film is not like that. So be warned. It's terrible. They actually set about work on Day of the Dead 3, or at least announced it. It was going to be a POV, handheld, found footage movie, riding the craze of, of producing those after Cloverfield. Uh, thankfully, never got past some initial announcements on the Taurus company website and forums and things like that. Uh, I think they did make a creep show 3, however. Anyway, also in 2005... Uh, George Romero returned to the franchise with Land of the Dead riding the zombie boom. Land of the Dead was a questionable film. Uh, I like it, but it's definitely the weakest of the bunch up until that point. That, but that wasn't directed by him, though, or was it? Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Romero wrote and directed Land of the Dead. Yeah, he came back. Land of the Dead is set post-apocalyptic. I think canonically it's set three years after Night of the Living Dead, the events of Night of the Living Dead. These films operate on a sliding timeline like the James Bond movies do, where uh, although one was set in 1968 and the next 1978, it's only Mm -hmm. like a week between them in terms of story that's progressed. You're uh, yeah, no, yeah, I get it, I get it. Yeah, so Land of the Dead was three years after Night of the Living Dead, canonically, and it's set kind of post-apocalyptic. There are these little outposts of survivors living in these towns trying to protect themselves with big walls and act like nothing's happening outside and everything's fine. Land of the Dead was that. It was a very unsubtle satire of, of money and and terrorism as well which was a big deal at the time and politics of of the noughties it got decent reviews when it came out but it is generally regarded as the 
lesser sequel to that trilogy. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it finds a, a real following with time, much as Day of the Dead did, because Day yeah. of the Dead was similarly derided when it came out, and it's sort of found its audience. Anyway, Land of the Dead was interesting because George Romero, for a while after that film came out, said that he was going to make a sequel, and it was just going to be a direct sequel to Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead 2. That was obviously not something he'd ever done before, because all three of his previous films are all set in the same world, but with new characters, other than a cameo or two here and there, they're really quite unconnected. They've also uh, pushed forward with each film. You see further into the timeline with each one. But Land of the Dead was going to pick up with the main characters... Sorry, Land of the Dead 2, that is, was going to pick up with the main characters from, from the end of Land of the Dead as we see them basically driving off into the proverbial sunset, going off to find a, uh, whatever it was, an outpost or something, because they decide they've got nothing to live for in the settlement. I, I think George Romero basically just said something along the lines of each film he'd made had been very much a time capsule and said something about the era in which it was made. So Night of the Living Dead is very much about the 60s. Dawn of the Dead is very much about the 70s. Day of the Dead is very much about the 80s. Uh, Land of the Dead mm-hmm. is very, very much about the the noughties. Yeah. Post-9-11 politics of the George Bush Jr. variety. So he so he said that and then released two more films in quick as possible succession after that, it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the, but he was talking about making this 2006, 2007. So I think he was basically saying, well, look, another time capsule of this era is going to be the same again, so we might as well do a direct continuation of Land of the Dead. But for whatever reason, that never happened. He ended up instead following it on with Diary of the Dead, which is a much lower budget zombie film, and weirdly goes back to the uh, initial outbreak, the events of Night of the Living Dead, basically. Yeah. Also, this was shot POV found footage style. If I remember correctly, you're not the biggest fan of that? This is my least favourite of the franchise, out of the original, like, the official six films that are in it. Yeah, and and how about compared to other POV found footage films? Uh, it's, it's better than a lot of them. It's not the best one. It's... It's okay. It's it's not the best film in the world, this one. It's got some great moments and ideas. One thing I'll say is, this was very much meant as a critique of the internet and the notion that anyone can go up and put any old shit all over the internet and there's no accountability for it. And I remember back in 2008, the attitude, myself included, the attitude very much being like, shut up, grandad. Stop complaining about the internet. You don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, ten years later, yeah, fair enough. Uh, kind of had a point. So did he know what he was talking about? Because he must have been quite old by then. Well, I guess so, yeah. I mean, he, he, he made this film critiquing the internet and his, his, you know, his fears, his criticisms have kind of played out. Yeah, because I didn't, uh, I di- I didn't see it, actually, so I'm wondering what, uh, what his fears were. It's worth watching. Well, yeah, it was very much just a fear of the internet. Anyone can say what they want on the internet. You can shape the narrative. Anyone can be manipulating the narrative on the internet. Initially, he uh, had complained, like I say, that he couldn't really find an angle for this entry's social commentary because there wasn't a decade between it and the previous film. I think that was part of why it went back to Night of the Living Dead's timeline, the uh, initial outbreak. But then he, he... 
picked up with this internet idea, this found footage idea, the rise of social media, uh, still being made back in the days of fucking MySpace rather than Facebook. This film had a MySpace page to promote it. I, n- I never had MySpace. I had Bebo. Did you ever have Bebo? No. I got lots of emails telling me to join Bebo from... Oh, Bebo was the shit, man. You missed out. You should have done it. <laughs> it got mixed reviews. A lot of people like it more than Land. I don't. Again, after Diary of the Dead in 2008, there was a real appetite for more. And George Romero once again was like, fine. I'll come back and make another one. And just as with the previous film, he said, but this one's going to be a direct continuation of the ending of Diary of the Dead. So Diary of the Dead ends, spoiler alert, it ends with all of the main characters being locked in a kind of safe room, panic room. All the main characters that have survived, I should say. And a load of zombies swarming in from outside. And it's very um, bleak as to whether or not they have anywhere to go. He was going to pick up at the end of that film and and follow it through. Instead, he he, he opted to do something entirely different, ultimately, which was similar. He, He Basically, he made a film called Survival of the Dead. This was the last one in the series, and it was a uh, sidequel, I guess you'd call it. It's set at the same time as Diary of the Dead, and it features one of... There's a a scene the characters are accosted by a load of military men who've gone rogue and basically robbed them. And for whatever reason, I guess he liked the actor, (laughs) uh, George Romero decided to pick up with those military guys and write a story about one of them in particular going off on an adventure on an island. (laughs) (laughs) He's basically not even playing the same character. We do pick up with a little bit of connective... I think we see a flashback to the footage in Diary of the Dead and then Okay. So you you said at around this time there was a real appetite for more zombie films. Like, these kind of years that we're in. Do I remember right that this was possibly the zombie renaissance that this was referred to as a couple of times? Because around this time you had Shaun of the Dead and stuff. And I just remember zombie film after zombie film after everything coming out. Yeah, and, and Survival of the Dead was 2009. So, same year as Zombieland, for example. Mm -hmm. I would say it was sort of the beginning of the end, where people were kind of like, alright, maybe we've had enough of this. It started to reach a saturation point with zombies. Yeah. Not me. I want more. I love zombies. But uh, I think most people were getting sick of it by maybe a year or two after this point. But yeah, Survival of the Dead. George Romero clawed the funding together, managed to make another zombie film. Uh, basically it's this weird kind of neo-western thing set on an island with a couple of feuding families who are running these ranches on this island off the mainland in the US. I actually like it, most people despise it. (laughs) Doesn't have very good reviews, it doesn't seem to have been received very well. Yeah, it's, it's generally regarded as the worst one, substantially so, but... I like it. I I think it's a fun, silly take on the Western with zombies. So you think it places above Diary of the Dead? Personally, yeah. I mean, it's it's a far cry from, you know, the original trilogy, but whatever. Hey, if you liked How Didn't This Get Made, you might like this other show, Diminishing Returns, where I and another guy called Alan Turing take a guest on a weekly trip to development hell, not this show, the actual thing, to discuss a film then pitch our own ideas for the sequel. And for fans of this show, we've had Connor Murray on at least three times, probably more by the time you hear this. 
Diminishing Returns is available via all reputable podcast suppliers. Just search for it wherever you found this show, or head to dimreturns.com. Now, here we come to the piece de resistance of this episode, the the main what-if. This is the ham and cheese right here. Yeah, and I, I, I may, maybe not, because this could still happen, but I don't think it will. But basically, uh, when George Romero died... Uh, a couple of years back, it was announced this film was going into production, which is a script he had written with the, uh, I believe, the first AD, the guy who kind of handled the stunt direction and so on in uh, Survival of the Dead and possibly di- uh, possibly Diary of the Dead as well. Uh, Matt Berman, uh, he wrote the script with George Romero before George Romero died, and he was like, I'm going to direct this film, it's going to be the last of the dead official entry with George Romero's input, and it was going to be a kind of Mad Max-inspired film about a load of... It was going to be on a load of zombies that were forced to race cars in a <laughs> sort of modern-day coliseum for the entertainment of survivors. Yeah, it sounded absolutely <laughs> insane. And presumably they've like got their feet nailed to the <laughs> pedals or some shit, and they're getting all blown up. So it sounded absolutely insane, and it never got made, and I don't think it ever will. That's a shame. Because this was announced back in 2017, and um, there's been basically no word on it since. I think there was talk of it being turned into a comic book. It's probably never going to happen. At this point, I realize by now that there are so many projects that get talked about, discussed... A director here or a producer there will say that they're attached and they're thinking about it, but then it'll just fade away into nothing. Yeah, and it, it's it's a shame. I'd love to see his legacy continue, but I mean, apparently he was one of those guys who just has like 1,200 screenplays in a drawer left over that haven't been made. So He had a film called Diamond Dead that he was trying to get off the ground for years, and I remember him talking about, which was not part of his zombie universe, but about a zombie rock band that were like, I don't know, one of the best rock bands in the world and then came back from the dead and went on tour again or something. <laughs> uh, which was going to be a comedy, thankfully. But but anyway, I mentioned John Russo, uh, John A. Russo earlier, the other guy who owned a stake in Night of the Living Dead. So John Russo owns Of the Living Dead, yeah. or he's got the rights to yeah, that. Yeah. He has been cashing in on George Romero's talent for a while. Uh, He made (laughs) The Return of the Living Dead in 1985, which is a fantastic film. Uh, He wrote this... Well, basically, he wrote a novel in 1978 called Return of the Living Dead, uh, which was a kind of knockoff sequel to Night of the Living Dead. And the idea was that he was going to turn it into a movie franchise. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, who you may know as the original writer of Alien. Oh, Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. I love Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon came on board to direct the film and basically turned it into this kind of self-aware meta-comedy where Night of the Living Dead is positioned as a film that exists within the film, but the film was actually based on a real-life incident uh, that took place, so it kind of changed all the details and got them wrong. Uh, So the characters kind of know what to do with zombies, but then the zombies all behave differently (laughs) and they don't actually know what to do with them. Classic Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, and the end result is a, a really great comedy horror movie, one of the best zombie films of 1985, which is saying something because that's also the year Day of the Dead and Reanimator came out. Ooh. 
uh, Return of the Living Dead, if you don't know, is where the idea of zombies eating brains comes from. It it completely invented that out of nowhere, and that is one of the go-to things people... I mean, that's when you do an impression of a zombie and you go, brains, that is Return of the Living Dead you're referencing, mm-hmm. whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, and they made a sequel, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which was better than its reputation would have you believe. It has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's actually not terrible, uh, although it isn't great. Uh, and then they made Return of the Living Dead 3, which has basically fuck all to do with the other two films. It it, it makes similar use of this trioxin chemical that turns people into zombies, and the zombies behave similarly, but Return of the Living Dead 3 is weird. It's about a it's more of a character study about a woman turning into a zombie. It's a very odd film. That sounds kind of interesting. Uh, with a heavily romantic angle as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Worth checking out, but it's not amazing. And uh, 2005, again, cashing in on the zombie boom, uh, someone acquired the rights to make zombie movies based on Return of the Living Dead. They made two TV movies shot back to back called Return of the Living Dead Necropolis and Return of the Living Dead Rave to the Grave. <laughs> both of which are well they, they weren't even intended to be tv movies it should be added they were meant to be released in cinemas but they were too shit <laughs> couldn't get distribution <laughs> and so they ended up getting released straight to the sci-fi channel you know among the many 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 problems with them they're probably most notable for completely disregarding the rules of the zombies specific to return of the living dead <laughs> But like in all the previous films, for example, removing the head and destroying the brain doesn't kill these zombies. Oh, bon. But Return of the Living Dead 4 and 5, you can shoot them in the head and it's no problem. So terrible. Uh, not content with that, John A. Russo decided he wanted to milk it some more. He released a, a weird like re-edit cut of Night of the Living Dead in, I think, the year 2000 which was meant to be like the definitive cut. He put some shitty new footage in that he shot specifically for it that looks so different, all digital and horrible. And then he made a sequel off the back of that called Children of the Living Dead, which was a straight-to-video piece of shit, like a real 1 out of 10 film. Terrible film. Can't stress how bad a film it is. I mean, he's a businessman, you know, he saw an opening, he, he, he re-edited Night of the Living Dead to launch his sequel, he made his sequel, all to tie in with Night of the Living Dead's 30th anniversary, and Tom Savini makes a brief cameo to kind of give it some credibility, but it was, I mean, it's, it's atrocious. And that went nowhere. Uh, so then, after that failure, he wiped the slate clean once more, began working on a third of the Living Dead continuity. He wrote a comic book called Escape of the Living Dead which I believe was published in 2005, which is a, a common year here. Yeah, uh-huh. there seems like there's a bit of a connection here. Uh, this was a period piece set in 1971, three years after Night of the Living Dead. It was a comic written almost exclusively just to get a film adaptation off the ground, but it was kind of crap. And although a film adaptation was actually announced in 2008, starring Tony Todd, I don't know if you know him. No, it's not ringing any bells. Candyman. Oh, holy crap. Okay, right, yeah. He's also the lead in the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, But that's the last I think anyone ever heard of it. Safe to assume it's dead. Although apparently John A. Russo is still working on it, so we'll see. He's still alive. I just gave him the old Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, and I should add, actually, uh, th- at one point, I th- I believe it was the lead comedic actor. There's this kind of comedy double act in 
the first two Return of the Living Dead films. I believe one of those guys was writing their own Return of the Living Dead comic book sequel that, again, they were kind of hoping would be turned into a film. I don't think the comic even got finished because the artwork was horrific, but there were pages and scans of the pages floating around from like comic conventions and stuff, but I assume the actor was just showing them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, now, another film we have on the docket, which will at some point come out, I think. Currently going by the name Rise of the Living Dead. Originally was going by the name Origins. I think at one point it was Night of the Living Dead, Origins. Uh, Cameron Romero, George A. Romero's son, launched a crowdfunding campaign in 2014. Fucking nepotism, man. To secure pre-production funding for this film. Now, it was proposed as a period piece prequel to Night of the Living Dead, so that already is annoying because it it's like completely doing away with the sliding time frame of the proper films by going, oh, it's set in set in 1968. Presumably this had George Romero's blessing, although I don't think anything was actually ever said to the effect, so who knows, maybe he fell out with his dad over it. Anyway, the the crowdfunding campaign on whatever it was, Indiegogo or whatever, put the film forward with a 2015 release, which it is currently, at the time of recording, five years late (laughs) for. Um, But it is still in production. It's set at the height of the Cold War, which is apparently its kind of political angle. But I I think Cameron Romero's been upsetting a lot of people. I think it was that classic thing where a whole load of people donated some money, and uh, then the whole thing went quiet and the film never turned up and people were like where the fuck's the film we paid for you piece of shit those things never turn out well (laughs) and to be fair it takes you know money to to make these things but at least be open and communicate with everyone it's still there on indiegogo it had a goal of thirty thousand us dollars and it raised thirty thousand two hundred and eighty dollars so it just managed it off of 238 backers but that's nothing though yeah well you know it's very low budget and you can go and look now on the comments it's lots of uh people getting upset that there's been absolutely nothing to kind of keep them into basically between 2014 and 2017 there was nothing on there uh and now from 2017 to 2018 he's become a lot more uh making an effort to update people and let them know what the status is but basically the status is um so yeah no it was 30,000 pre-production funding so i i guess that's just to kind of get some shit together so they can then go to meet with people in hollywood and yeah. give us the proper money that was the airplane ticket first class so we have night of the living dead 1990 they made that remake that i've mentioned um, not a bad film, that one. Not great, but it's alright. Uh, Zack Snyder notably made a remake of Dawn of the Dead in 2004 that... Are you a fan of that? Uh, I think a lot of people point to this as proof that Zack Snyder can actually direct a film. <laughs> I, on the other hand, would point to it as proof that he cannot direct a film, because Dawn of the Dead, the remake, is a, is a fun little action movie, but it is not a horror film. It is not remotely scary, it is not tense, it doesn't understand tension, and that is not by design. You can tell it is a film that wants to be scary. It's badly directed, but arguably James Gunn's screenplay makes it work in spite of that. Uh, Ken Fury, the lead of Dawn of the Dead, makes a cameo in that one, along with Tom Savini. Now this one's notable, because for the longest time, 
There was a film called Army of the Dead, uh, a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, a kind of similar, you know, continuation set in the same world kind of thing. I mean, there was talk initially of following the characters at the end of that remake. I don't know if you remember, they go off into a boat and you basically see them all about to die as zombies chase them on an island. But there was talk of just following those characters on the boat in a seat. Obviously that never happened. And then there was talk for the longest time of making a film called Army of the Dead about a bunch of survivors in a a walled-off stronghold in Las Vegas. And it was set up as a kind of heist. And it sounded fantastic. And I was gutted that it wasn't happening because, you know, a big-budget zombie sequel to Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead with a new director sounds great. And it was officially going ahead at one point with... um, uh, It was directed by... Have you seen the the 2011 The Thing prequel that's also called The Thing? No, I haven't seen that. I've just seen The Thing quite a few times. Do I want to see The Thing prequel? It's alright. I think it gets a bad rap. Anyway, uh, the director of that film ended up making that film when Army of the Dead got shelved, postponed, took too long to get together. Uh, He was originally, he's called, I'm going to try and get this right, Mathijs van (laughs) Heijingen Jr., which I definitely did not get right there, but... (laughs) He uh he was going to direct this sequel to Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. When it looked like that wasn't going to happen, he ended up making a, a Thing follow-up instead. It sounds utterly baffling, that film, because since when it became clear it wasn't happening, they, they came out and spoke in interviews about their plans for it, and uh, someone in the production revealed that the film was going to be amazing because it was going to have rapist zombies in it. Oh god. I suppose the idea being that they're, they're following their like primal urges and instincts, but I, I don't know about you, I cannot conceive of a way in which you could possibly <laughs> do that in a way that feels artistically justified and isn't icky and horrible in a way that isn't yeah. I just don't think you can do that in a film well. I, I don't I don't think there's any I think it'll just be gratuitous and horrible. Th- yeah, there's no way to do that. I mean it's like like there's there's no tasteful way to do that at all, but it's inherently making a very serious subject into something yeah. kind of ludicrous and laughable. Like like context is everything. Yeah. It's weird that we're desensitized with um, death and murder to the point that having zombies do that is fine. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't sit well. Yeah. And I just, I think if that film got made, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed it was even being allowed as far as it got, frankly, if that's what it was about. But Yeah, I think, <laughs> don't go there. Although Evil Dead obviously did famously uh, flirt with it. I'd hit the tree rip scene. Sam Raimi says if there's one part of Evil Dead he regrets nowadays, it's that scene. Yeah, I can see why he would regret that. Yeah. Anyway, Army of the Dead is uh, Zack Snyder's next film. He's currently making it for Netflix. Oh, wow, it's actually on the way. Yeah, it, it was dead for a long while, and it's it's been kickstarted back into life. I don't mean Kickstarter with Kickstarter, the website. I mean, it's Netflix bought it, and they're making it, and it stars Dave Bautista as a guy trying to save his daughter from some kind of heist situation in Las Vegas and the zombies. I would be flabbergasted if it's not been heavily reworked, and I would be flabbergasted if any of that zombie rape stuff stays in the film. I I cannot see that getting made. That's not gonna happen. And uh, Zack Snyder's still at the helm, right? Yeah. 
yeah, he's back at the helm. He wasn't even going to do it back then, but he was just producing and I think potentially writing. But okay, uh, he is now directing it. Yeah. Other remakes include uh, Taurus Entertainment, mentioned before, who made Dave the Dead 2 Contagion. Uh, They also took the name and thought, fuck, we can do a remake. And they did a 2008 remake called Day of the Dead, which was basically marketed to be mistaken for a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, the remake. (laughs) Uh, they hired Ving Rhames, who of course was in the Dawn of the Dead remake, to be in the Day of the Dead remake, playing a completely different character, just to confuse and trick people into thinking it was something that it wasn't. Very cynical, pretty terrible film, but not nearly as bad as Day of the Dead 2 Contagion, so, you know, could be worse. And, uh, I mean, they're milking it, that's all they've got. They remade the film again (laughs) in 2017. (laughs) Uh, with Day of the Dead Bloodlines, which was kind of, I mean, it was more of a, it was more of a reimagining, like more of a loose remake for once, arguably even a sequel, but not really. Uh, Day of the Dead Bloodlines, sorry. I mean, talking about rapist zombies, this gets worryingly close to that, uh, with a, a guy who was infatuated with the main character in life and then dies and becomes the sort of bub smart zombie analogy and then i think he licks her face or some <laughs> stuff it's very unpleasant um and that's also a terrible film and knowing them they'll probably remake it again in 2026 if if the current trend follows it sounds like this company just needs money every now and then so they decide to just cough up something like that yeah so there we go i mean the one i'd love to see made and and maybe it will get made is uh road of the dead i think that would be a nice little bookend on george romero's career filmography oh the race one although george romero did apparently direct a film in 1973 called the amusement park which was never released to the public and i think is coming out in the next year or two from the sounds of it it got shot it got shelved for being too weird, and uh, people who've seen it say it's fantastic. So maybe that can be a nice little addendum, a little nugget on the end of his career. Um, I think he made it for some sort of promotional purpose, like the funding was to promote... Basically, the people who put the money up for it had a certain idea about what it was going to be, and it was supposed to promote certain things, and then they thought it was too weird and gruesome and unpleasant and they were like we're not releasing that and i imagine it was very low budget and nothingy and george romero just thought well it's not worth fighting it and so it's just sat in a vault Uh, yeah they should release it digitally online what have they got to lose so there you go the man the legend george Uh romero what a legacy changed the genre forever and we you know this isn't even going into all the like the walking dead which is basically set in the same world and Shaun of the dead which is uh mm-hmm. emulating it and all this sort of stuff so you know he, he had a huge influence and that, and that's just the obvious stuff that's not getting into you know the influence he had on oh yeah films that aren't zombie movies like uh signs or yeah or it follows or also don't forget his oj simpson documentary the juice on the loose yes uh yeah he did do an oj simpson documentary uh before oj simpson had killed anyone yeah i mean you wouldn't know at that point what was going to happen next would you the george romero story it's a couple of films 
didn't get made, but a lot did. Oh god, yeah, and you know, we might well come back to him at some point in the future on this podcast. You know, he he, he had all sorts of unmade projects. He had a very, I mean, he nearly made the first uh, big Marvel movie back in like the. 70s, I think it was. He was trying mm-hmm. to get this Marvel superhero film put into production. It might be in the 80s. But it's it's funny, the amount of films that he actually seemed to get made accelerated in in the 2000s, in the noughties, I'm assuming, with the advent of digital technology. Oh, well, I think partly, but I think more than anything, it was, he makes Night of the Living Dead, he invents zombies. Uh, no one really likes zombies. They're a cult, weird thing. Michael Jackson's thriller comes out. That's the point where it all becomes a big joke and no one can take it seriously. The, the genre dies off for 20 years. Uh, then yeah. we have the zombie boom of the noughties with uh, 28 Days Later, the Dawn of the Dead remake, Shaun of the Dead, uh, as much as I hate to admit it, Resident Evil. Off the back of that boom of films and, and riding a kind of post-9-11 sense of paranoia, I suppose, there was a huge wave of yeah. cash-in attempts at making more zombie movies. And Hollywood was like, man, let's make a zombie movie. They're cheap. They make money. And suddenly everyone went, George, what are you doing? We'll give you money to make a zombie movie. And he was able to get funding, whereas he wasn't before. I think that's pretty much what it came down to. They just knew that as long as his name was on it, it would get some sort of audience, especially in that it was getting a boon. Yeah. Although I, I think he was able to get funding for zombie movies. I think he struggled to get funding <laughs> for anything else, which is very sad, but... That's all the cooked up producers wanted. And I, I hate to admit it, but, you know, I, I'd rather see a zombie movie from him than anything else. But I do like Martin and and, uh, some of his other works, so very good filmmaker. Yeah, I want to go back and see the others now. Like, I remember the crazies and creep show and stuff. You know what's uh, great, great? I was really surprised with how enjoyable it was. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which I believe he wrote, he certainly produced. Tales from the Dark Side was his sort of horror anthology series that uh, he got off the ground in the 80s, his kind of knockoff. Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt kind of thing. Uh, And Tales from the Dark Mm -hmm. Side, the movie, is just a great little horror anthology with Debbie Harry as a witch uh, tying it all together. You've got your your Christian Slater fighting a mummy in there. You've got a weird Stephen (laughs) King thing about a cat trying to kill people. It's great. I love a good I love a good anthology film every now and then. Like a good old three films in one. More on films next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, do make a point of uh, checking out Diminishing Returns if you aren't already subscribed. The first episode that's going to be coming out after this episode has been released is the start of us looking at the entire George A. Romero of the Dead series, starting with an episode looking at Night of the Living Dead and Diary of the Dead. The week after that, we're going to do Survival of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead, and then we are going to cap it all off with Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead, all for Halloween. And we're going to look at the hundreds of remakes and things along the way as well. So it is the perfect accompaniment for this episode. Do go and have a listen. And come back next week for another How Didn't This Get Made? Connor's going to tell me about Kubrick. Kubrick.